0: So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on LinkedIn.com slash achieve today. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinarian developed,
1: and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.
0: Tonight's broadcast is brought to you by Minerva Sniffer Hand Solutions. A nose in your hand is worth two in the something. Sour smells electively elusive. Missing the hound attract your whiffy worries. Minerva's Sniffer Hand Solution is the manual sun to trace that skunky stink. Use the fine rubber plunger and a large scuffle nostrils of Minerva's Sniffer Hand Solution to track down that old factory odor. Not to be confused with Minerva's Hand Sniffer Solution, that's completely different. Minerva's Sniffer Hand Solution. Save your regrets for tomorrow. Cooper Walker, sister to Cornelia, daughter to Viola and Leopold was glad to be away from their family mansion in Lavandula and Lanula Park. Too many rumors swirling around the outdoor tables in the nightshade cafe, the one that overlooked the park and the fountain. Too many whispers, and Cooper couldn't enjoy her chamomile tea and cupcakes. It never bothered Penelia. She seemed to just be able to silence any of the noise and focus. Even their job at the telegraph office. Cornelia had an easier time with all the signals coming in together. Cooper was much better at all the names and relations, she couldn't help it, sorting and tracking all the office gossip and all that that traveled up and down the wire. Cooper could never turn it off, and so it was nice to be away from it for a day. Something really changed in their mother after she took a trip out to Ludlow. Viola wouldn't talk about it, but her nightmares were getting worse. When the sisters decided to move back in with their mother, Hummel confided to them that she had wandered out on the ice in her nightgown, back when Plum the Peacock had gone missing. And they were afraid one of these nights, Viola might just wander off into the city, never to be seen again. There was constant gossip around Park Row, about the fulcrums, about Fanny and Edmund Green, about their mother, Madame Viola, it all seemed to be nothing but scandal and rumor. The latest scuttlebutt about Enoch Green, the little boy of the neighborhood. He'd run away and returned in the same stormy night, but sense had taken into hiding. Cooper took some cupcakes over to the house Mulberry, tried to get the dish on Fanny and Edmund's relationship. But the servants took the cupcakes with the raisin frosting, and all Cooper got a glimpse of was a small figure under a white sheet walking around the place in the background, breezing along the wall, trying not to bump into things. The other child of the row, Antigone and Hallite House, the sweet girl the Fulcrums had been fostering out of their charity, had been returned to the orphanage or some such. It was unclear mutterings. Cooper had only met her once. She kept very close to Temperance Fulcrum, who was always short but polite to Cooper. Temperance seemed to shine to her mother, though. She liked Madame Viola's acerbic nature. Cooper was the same age as Fanny Fulcrum, but the two had kept their distance. Cooper could tell that Fanny always thought she was better than Cooper, who was almost certain she helped spread the rumors of the Walker sisters were strange. Cooper and Cornelia had been inseparable their entire lives. Close in age and bonded over the intensity of their parents' dispositions, they grew up in that house— they moved into a small place downtown in the city when they were old enough. They'd applied for jobs at the same telegraph office, and most recently had enjoyed some time at the Molly Cottle Spa, and Wormwood revelry at the Duchess Hotel. But a thought had started to creep in between them. Just the tiniest inkling of possibility, of having families of their own. They dreamed of it in fantasy, speculated what their lives might look like or how many kids they might have. But at their age, it was starting to get a bit real, and to be honest, Cooper couldn't shake the nagging feeling that Cornelia would beat her to it. Cornelia was sweeter than she was. She was quieter, and truth be told, Lloyd at the Carousel Bar was clearly sweet on her. Cooper had no prospects of her own, but after this last visit, she felt that Lloyd was gearing up the courage to call on Cornelia, and Cornelia would jump at the chance. So Cooper had to take steps, bolster some social backup. And also, invite some new friends into her life in case that Cornelia were to be whisked away into a romance and leave Cooper to fend for herself. So Cooper invited her friend Jules from the Telegraph office to join them at the park. She knew with strangers around it would make her mother behave a little more. Sometimes. And also might help to lay the foundation for a backup friend in case things progressed for Cornelia. She didn't want to speculate on what it would be like to distance between her and her sister, but it was unfathomable to think of being alone. Jules was an average telegrapher, but excelled in a new position as an operator for the new lane telephone system. And well, you'll see why. Jules met them inside the gate just past the turnstile. She came running up in a hurry, seeming to almost burst with excitement at all the attractions, things to see and do. She held her hat to her head against the strong sea breeze, her scarf dancing away from her as Jules stood on her tiptoes and hopped with excitement. Cooper! Can you imagine that I got here before you, Can ya, Cooper? So lovely to be invited, of course. Love a day at the CSC Seaside. Do you have a favorite ride? Do ya, Cooper? Can't imagine going on the new octopus one that seems like such a heart stopper. I bet you like the fun house and the treats, don't ya? Nobody loves a cupcake like you, eh, Cooper? Did I ever tell you about the meant that got me caught in the icebox? Stuck her head in looking for cupcakes and got jammed in at the shoulders. Couldn't wedge out. Pa reached in and tried to yank, but she didn't budge. After a while, she got hungry, and the only thing was an old bowl of minced garlic. Well, she ate it anyway. The rest of the family's sitting on the kitchen floor, eating birthday dinner, and she's firing off like a hippo with a grumbly tummy. Finally had to wait for it to melt so she could slide out, but poor auntie was never the same, and I could never eat garlic on the floor again. Shame, as that was my favorite snack. How's your ma? Jules said. Pumble led Viola up to greet her. "'Madam Walker!' she said. Viola didn't acknowledge her. "'Away from the pigeons, Pumble. "'Such loud, boisterous things.' "'Yes, Madam,' Pumble gave Jules a wink "'as he turned away from Viola. "'Jules was unfazed. "'Oh, did I tell you I saw my school-crush Benjamin "'at the lunch counter? "'Did I, Cooper? "'Did I ever tell you that story "'when he tried to get a peek at my knickers? "'I would have let him if he asked nicely. "'He was right handsome, even then.' poor fellow was lost in his soup at the counter though too many troubles for a fella that good looking do you remember cooper cooper couldn't decide which question to answer she smiled politely and helped her gather her scarf cornelia was used to stepping a bit to the side when hurricane Jules rolled in when they all took lunch at work she was fun and did all the talking but took more to cooper to cornelia so cornelia was much more along for the ride much like Jules. The celestial seaside amusements was almost too much to take in at once spectacle games, sound and smells an escape taking away from the city of life and a secret oasis of fantasy and recreation celine was a city in transition new technologies seemed to emerge almost daily that changed the lives of ordinary citizens an exhibition of innovation Was introduced in order to familiarize some of these to the public so they could ignite some wonder and be more easily embraced in consumer and industrial products. Right at the opening of the park, the great leading industrial innovation companies had opened up a showcase of their latest inventions. Dr. Vega, a celebrity inventor and scientist, had labs filled with his galvanist innovator workforces laboring day and night to churn out a multitude of inventions. His most recent, an advancement he had labeled liquid light, was being used to heat and power most of the city and convert it from the hassles of gas and the other more messy heating solutions. Everything underlined with the line only Only from from Dr. Vega. Opposite Dr. Vega's exhibit were the Desmond Mechanism engineers. If Dr. Vega powered the city, Desmond moved it. These mechanisms fit to every strata of life, from motor cars and watches to rail cars, bridges, and even children's toys. Desmond's, Desmond's mechanisms, mechanisms made the future, made the turn, turn, future turn brightly. The history of Dr. Vega and Desmond is long and rife with scandal. The details are left for some time in the future when we can explore it more fully. For now, the two had an uneasy truce, respectfully ignoring each other from their respective showcases. Dr. Vega had built an enormous wheel as tall as a building, lined with glass tubing. The demonstration started at the small power plant at this base, with the promise of igniting at dusk and providing enough illumination to radiate the entire park in its glowing brilliance. The rumbling little power plant also running lines to heat water tanks, light performance tents, and keep the baby incubators warm. Visitors could touch a metal ball attached to the power plant through wires and make their hair stand on end. For keepsakes, they sold tiny sparking glass globes for the little ones, complete with Dr. Vega's goggled face on them. Across from the wheel, Desmond had built an intricate gear system that ranged from the tiniest, delicate hummingbird-like gear that fed into a series of ever-increasing-sized gears, one after the other, the largest weighing more than three train cars. A small-handled crank attached to the smallest of the front and a child turned the handle. The kinetic force would transfer slowly up the gears, larger and larger, until the biggest gear would turn, showing that with the right elegance and engineering, the slightest force from a child's hand could turn a monster of a gear as big as a house. Desmond didn't like the chintziness of giveaways, but after some convincing, allowed a photographer to station near the demonstration to take commemorative tin types, the price going to help build a new school for downtrodden children. The group watched the demonstrations. Cornelia turned the handle crank on the gears and watched them spin around. Got a picture. Jules got a little sparking toy from the Dr. Vega basket. Did you see this, Cooper? It sparks when you push the lever here. Isn't that just dandy? Of course, I bet you can seize it better in the dark. Here, hold your dress so I can block the light and see the sparks better. Cooper pulled her dress back, and they wandered down the path through a topiary grove of shaped bushes styled like sea animals and stars and sailing ships. A wandering path that led through the boxwood, cherry laurel and lavender, to an opening of two mermaids blowing kiss me over the garden gate. Viola naturally lingered over the lavender. Pumble remembered he needed to do some trimming back home. Some of the bubbles had escaped over the topiary wall. Cornelia was playing with the last of them on a white glove finger. Jules plucked a kiss me to slip into her hat and held her finger up to her lips to signal to Cooper not to tattle. "'You think Benjamin will notice?' "'Surely some bright fellow will get the hint,' Cooper said. Already the smells of sponge sugar and fresh-popped kettle corn wafted to them over the shapes. The family wandered under the mermaids into the food fairway to get some nibbles before they took on any of the attractions." The fairway was a long line of stalls with brightly colored awnings and hand-painted signs. Attractive smiles handed out small samples and beckoned to glass counters of men in white shirts and black bow ties, serving up lemonades and ciders. Stretched taffy wrapped in wax paper were scoopfuls of caramel corn, frozen custard and sugar cones rimmed with sprinkles, chocolate-dipped banana on a paper stick, flaky apple hand pies with cinnamon so fresh you had to blow on them to not burn your fingers. Finger steaks and beer batter, giant twisted soft pretzels with ladled beer cheese, puffy clouds of cotton candy in every conceivable color, boiled peanuts in paper bags, twisted and tossed in a pile, and something called a whoopie pie. I'm going to eat three funnel cakes and a whole mess of red candy marshmallows. How about you, Cooper? You look like a rabid badger with that icing sugar all over your face, Cooper said. Jules bared her teeth and made a sound of what she thought badgers sounded like. (laughs) Cooper was eyeing the elephant ear, a flat dough fried up, made puffy, then tossed in cinnamon and sugar, and served with a little wooden fork. Cornelia pulled a few coins out of her change purse, purchased a box of animal crackers, and looked for the camels, her favorite. Pumble had to attend to Madame Viola. He had a thermos of chilled lavender violas, this one with gin to deal with the day's social burdens. He produced a glass from who knows where, and he poured one for Viola, He took a seat in the shade right atop Pumble's laid-out handkerchief. It would be her only meal for the day. The casual observer wouldn't have noticed, but Pumble could tell that Viola was feeling better. She never liked to be away from her office for too long. But the noise had really gotten under her skin, and being away from the hammering, it was helping. No sooner had they dug into the refreshments when Jules eyed the nearby games at the arcade paddock. Cooper, have you played any of the games at the arcade? Hmm, Let's see, have you played Lucky Ducks? Or The Rings? Or had them guess your weight? They had a dunk tank last time I was here. said it was filled with piranha. Can you imagine that? A fish with teeth! Can you imagine, Cooper? Don't get some poor sap into piranha for a penny. Ooh, what's the name of that one where you roll the coconuts in the little holes? They're wooden. Wooden balls. Jewels wooden balls into the holes. I always thought they were coconuts. Hey, we should go on the spinner. How do you feel about that, Cooper? Where it sits you in the middle and it spins round and round and you hold one? They say if you're the last one to stay on, you get a free stick candy. You wanna go, Cooper? Oh, I wish we had sweeties. Don't you, Cooper? I admit I'd love it if Benjamin asked me to come. we'd come to the park, I'd pretend like I'd never been, and he could show me all around like it was my first time, and I could pretend and get all excited all over again. Can you imagine, Cooper? Can you imagine if Benjamin tried to win me a bear? A big fuzzy one with fur and teeth. Can you imagine? I'd probably fall for him right there and then. Do you have anyone that's sweet on you, Cooper? Cooper was about to make something up, but before she could lie, a girl in black stockings and tight black silk top, heavy eye makeup and dark lipstick wandered close to them, holding an open black umbrella. She seemed to linger and danced a little. She sashayed away from the food stalls, closer to the traveler's tents, where a row of about a dozen open champagne bottles were lined up on the ground And seemingly, as if in a lark, the girl hopped up on the first bottle, balancing perfectly with her toe, one leg out in front of her, and the umbrella opened, her arms outstretched as she balanced and slowly tiptoed from the champagne bottle, the next champagne bottle, and the next one, without jostling or slipping the whole row down. And as she got to the last one, a man in a sharp coat with tails, a bent, thin cane and wiry mustache produced a gleaming scimitar. He flashed the curved blade just as the girl leapt in the air and he locked off the top of the champagne bottle. The girl landed, balancing on the tip of her fingers, picked up the sliced bottle and poured champagne out the exposed neck into a glass. The mustache man picked it up and he sipped it. Jules jumped up and clapped with glee, rushed over to fill their hat with coins as they collected tributes was magnificent, said Cornelia. That was great. Didn't you want to be a ballerina, Cornelia? Cornelia nodded. Mm-hmm. Viola scoffed, like a baby giraffe. Pumble, give those dung beetles just enough coins to keep them well away from me. I don't want any unsavory leering from that man. Cornelia, not entirely immune to her mother's taunts, to find another camel in her box of crackers the sideshow tents were the leftovers from a traveling show troupe who had settled on the seaside before the amusement park was even constructed the tents had attracted the very first crowds to the seaside and it was part of the negotiations that they preserved the remnants of the troupe and their acts as part of the amusement grounds some of the tents remained with some necessary upgrades for seats and lighting the acts changed and moved along, but the wild-spirit and tight-knit community of performers remained. Some of them also worked on the pier as mermaids or other performers, but would gather at the back of the tents at night to pass around a bottle, play music, and howl at the stars. Coming in from behind those tents, in a single-file line, a group of performers painted white, in white silken costumes that looked like soft pajamas, with big fuzzy black pom-poms down the front, each one holding a tiny instrument, a troop of quiet, almost sad clowns making a churning, morose music with what seemed to be like toys. The clowns had painted faces and extreme expressions of laughter or shock or sadness applied with thick makeup and lipstick and white foundation, big eyebrows and tears and smiles of cartoon teeth. They spotted the girls and encircled them, These didn't seem like the give-you-a-balloon clowns. There was something a bit dark about them. Mildly sinister. Kind of like a family. Jules took a few steps back next to Cornelia, leaving Cooper standing alone out in the front. One of the boy clowns. Kind of a cute one. With a content look painted on his face. Took an eye to Cooper. He played his little flute. And then he winked at her. Cooper had never been winked at before. He played a little tune on his piccolo flute for her, something giddy and playful. He then looked earnestly to the ground and reached down and plucked an imaginary flower from a crack in the cobblestone. He slowly brought the flower up to his nose and took a deep inhale and closed his eyes he became overcome with the perfume of it. He then opened his eyes, smiled a big toothy grin and offered the imaginary flower to Cooper. Cooper had never received a flower from a boy before. She took the flower from his white painted fingers like it was the most precious thing in the world. He released it in a flourish and then bowed slightly. Cooper brought the imaginary flower to her nose and breathed deeply. She closed her eyes and swore she could smell it. The delicate fragrance of this tiny, precious flower. Cooper blushed a deep red in her cheeks. Cornelia had never seen that shade take over her sister before. Her sister was a talker and usually a hushed voice hurried gossip. She'd never seen her so flush or so hypnotized. Cornelia clapped her tight hand-gloved clap. The tiny flute and band ignited in a song and danced along into the crowd. Jules grabbed Cooper by the elbow. Did you see that, Cooper? A boy gave you a flower! Can you imagine? A clown boy! Ooh, but still a boy! do you think he's cute underneath that makeup who cares right maybe he can wear it all the time Cooper wasn't listening she pinched the imaginary flower between her fingers seeing it as vivid as daylight and she carefully slipped it just under the neckline of her dress for safekeeping the clown troop wandered back into the tents playing their song the girls followed them a little bit from a distance down the midway they stopped, and the music was cut with an unnerving sound. Cooper turned her head towards a cackling, disturbing laugh, Cornelia cringed. They were in front of a loud, painted building, a slanted stairway leading up into it, face to face with a laughing figure, red hair, freckles, wild with manic chuckles. A dummy rocking back and forth in a little booth in front of the swirling barrel, welcomed in by Laughing Sal beckoning people into the mad hallways of the Funhouse. The extremes of our amusements, the shock to the system, laughs at the silly, gasps at the death defying stunts, odd shapes, and treats beyond the imagination. How some part of us yearns deeply to live there, preferring a world of mad glee to upend this life and throw ourselves into the chaotic physics of anti gravity rides and pies to the face. Or do I have it backwards? Do we live there already, and this is just a momentary glimpse in a warped mirror to look back at ourselves as the real sideshow that it is us living in the absurdity of the mundane? Laugh along with Sal. Jump into the barrel. It's the only thing to do. Step into the funhouse on the next episode of Celine. Trapped in the attic? Ingested a parasite? Looking for a Lenny Penny? Come bask in the emerald green glow of a strange city lying alone. Join our Patreon for Selena Cleverman, and Minerva might just let you pick her next solution. Join our Patreon, and no one will ever ask you for anything ever again. again. And again, 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 and again.